welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Our second reading is from the Old Testament book of Obadiah, verses 1 through 4, 8 through 15. Listen again for the word of the Lord. The vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up, let us rise up against it for battle. I will surely make you the least among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. Your proud heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rock, whose dwelling is in the heights. You say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, says the Lord. On that day, says the Lord, I will destroy the wise out of Edom and understanding out of Mount Esau. Your warriors shall be shattered, O Teman, so that everyone from Mount Esau will be cut off. For the slaughter and violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you and you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aside, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you too were one of them. But you should not have gloated over your brother on the day of his misfortune. You should not have rejoiced over the people of Judah on the day of their ruin. You should not have boasted on the day of distress. You should not have entered the gate of my people on the day of their calamity. You should not have joined in the gloating over Judah's disaster on the day of his calamity. You should not have stolen his goods on the day of his calamity. You should not have stood at the crossings to cut off his fugitives. You should not have handed over his survivors on the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near against all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Another Thanksgiving is bearing down on all of us, and with it, the prospect of family time. Family time can be good. Families can be good. Families can also be hard. It's not easy to live peaceably with your neighbor, and it's not easy to live peaceably with your family. The prophet Obadiah knows this, as we heard in our Old Testament reading. Don't feel bad if you've never heard of Obadiah. Most people haven't. Many lifelong Christians haven't heard of Obadiah. I've been attending church my whole life. I counted it, it's something like 2,000 Sundays. And I've never once heard Obadiah's words, not in Sunday school, not in worship. And now we know why no one reads Obadiah. (laughs) He's a little much. He's a little much. Where's the mercy in Obadiah? Where's the grace? We avoid Obadiah for the same reasons we avoid the prophets. No one likes to read the prophets. Well, except for Isaiah. Everyone loves Isaiah. But we don't generally enjoy reading the prophets. Jeremiah is depressed. Amos is ragey. Ezekiel is weird. 
Jonah is bitter. We could go on. We don't always enjoy the prophets, but we should read them anyway. Why? Because they give us a glimpse of what God values. They give us a glimpse of the things that God will and will not stand for. And so the book of Obadiah, all 21 verses of it, 21 verses of the least read parts of the Bible, Obadiah gives us a glimpse of God's values. And Obadiah is an indictment of a nation called the Edomites. The Edomites have messed up and God's not happy. We read that the Edomites stood by while their neighbors were conquered by Babylon, which is bad. But why should we care about something that happened 2,500 years ago? Well, those neighbors weren't just neighbors. The people of Judah are kinfolk to the people of Edom. Obadiah calls them brothers. Why would he say that? Because the Edomites traced their ancestry back to a man named Esau, and the people of Judah traced their ancestry back to a man named Jacob. And we remember Jacob and Esau. They weren't just brothers, they were twins. And before they were even born, we read that they struggled against each other in their mother's womb. Now I know from personal experience that it's uncomfortable to have one baby kicking you in the ribs all the time. Imagine having two. Well, that was the situation for Jacob and Esau's mother, Rebecca. Things got so bad, she thought something was wrong. And there were no ultrasounds back in those days. So she prayed about it. In Genesis chapter 25, we have her prayer about her very uncomfortable pregnancy. And God answered her prayer right there in Genesis chapter 25. You want to know what golden words God said to ease her fears? Well, he said her sweet little children would grow up to be two nations and those two nations would be rivals. In other words, the kicking wasn't going away any time soon. After Jacob and Esau were born, they continued to struggle with each other. Jacob betrayed Esau, stealing Esau's birthright. So Esau threatened to kill Jacob, and Jacob fled. Over time, Esau and his descendants settled in the mountains south of the Dead Sea. This land becomes known as Edom, and it's a naturally fortified area with high cliffs and deep ravines. Jacob and his descendants settled just to the north in the land around the Dead Sea, and by the time of Obadiah, this area is known as Judah. Centuries pass, and the two brothers who struggled against each other are now two nations who struggle against each other. And then in the 6th century BC, the Babylonian army pushes south. The Babylonians are standing on the threshold of Judah, ready to gobble them up, just as they've gobbled up every other nation in their path. And we wonder, what will the Edomites do? What will the descendants of Esau do for the descendants of Jacob? Because the Edomites have a lot going for them. They have a powerful military. They have, I said, natural fortifications. They have great wisdom. Edom has a reputation for its wisdom. They have immense wealth. 
Edom sits on a major trade route. So the Edomites have a lot to offer, but according to the prophet Obadiah, they offer nothing. Not only do they refuse to help, they participate in Judah's downfall. Instead of keeping refugees that come across their borders safe, they hand those refugees over. Instead of helping protect against thieves, the Edomites go into the land to seize what they can get. They sell out their brother. And this is a step too far for God. So God sends a very clear and dire message to Edom through the prophet Obadiah. Betrayal between brothers isn't a new thing, not in our world, not in our lives, and certainly not in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 4, we only get four chapters in before we read that Cain was jealous of his brother Abel, so he killed him. The first murder in the Bible is one brother killing another over a basket of fruit. Seriously, Cain killed Abel because Cain's offering of fruit, the fruit of the ground to God, wasn't as pleasing as Abel's offering of roasted sheep. Now we like to think we're better than Cain. We like to think we're better than the Edomites. That we would stand by our brothers, that we wouldn't hurt our brothers. We might like to think that. I'd like to think that. But it's not true. It's not true, I know, because my brother has a scar over his eyebrow that says it's not true. He got that scar when he was three years old, and I know because I gave it to him. The house we grew up in had a big stone fireplace that dominated one side of the living room. It was the kind of fireplace you'd find in a cabin up in North Georgia. It was rough and rugged and beautiful, and my mom always warned us to be careful when we were near it. So one afternoon, we were playing toys right in front of the big stone fireplace, and my brother took my toy, which is what little brothers do. I said, give it back. He said, no because he just learned that word. I said, give it back. He said, no. When diplomacy fails, we often resort to force. So I did as well. I pushed my brother as hard as I could right into the fireplace and one of those rough and rugged stones cut a gash right across his eyebrow. I still remember the terror of that moment. I still remember my brother screaming and me screaming because I didn't know what to do. I had failed. I had failed. My little brother was depending on me to take care of him. He was my responsibility. And now he's bleeding all over the carpet. And judging by the amount of blood and face wounds really do bleed a lot, I wasn't sure he was going to make it. But he did. He did make it, he lives in Brookhaven now. And the the cut did heal, it healed, but it left a mark. And every time I see my brother, I see that scar on his face and I am reminded of the day that I let my anger get in the way of my love. See, I am my brother's keeper. That's my job as his sister, to be there for him, to watch out for him, to stick up for him, to keep him safe. 
And 30 years ago, I failed at that job. But every single day that passes, I get a new chance to do better. Friends, every day that passes, we get a chance to do better. Our families aren't perfect. Our relationships aren't perfect. We don't always have scars that are visible to remind us of that, but we know they're there. Far too often, I've been the Cain in the story or the Edomites in the story, and maybe you have too. Too often, I've been the one to inflict hurt, either from what I've done or from what I've left undone. I do take comfort in the knowledge that just as my family isn't perfect, biblical families aren't perfect either. A few weeks ago, Joe Evans and I were talking about biblical families and we were struggling to come up with one that seemed healthy and whole. You know what the families in the Bible are like. Even Jesus' family wasn't perfect. They didn't believe he was the son of God. They believed he was possessed by the devil. In Mark chapter three, Jesus starts to exercise demons in public. And his family is so concerned, they show up to collect him. When he hears that his mother and his brothers have arrived, Jesus looks around at the crowd, the crowd that has gathered, the outcast, the overlooked, the needy, and yes, the demon possessed. And he says, family, here is my family. Those people right in front of him. Because Jesus is always expanding those definitions. So our families are far from perfect and we are far from perfect. And yet we face another Thanksgiving gathered with those imperfect families. And we might dread seeing some of them. We might wanna bolt as soon as the dessert is finished but let us not be so eager to run away. Let us not be so eager to run. Could we find it in ourselves to have the courage to sit in those strained relationships, to wade into the messes that need wading into? Could we find the courage to sit with discomfort Not too long ago, I went to a family birthday party and saw a relative I hadn't seen in a really long time for reasons. There are always reasons. And it was awkward. I wouldn't have chosen a family birthday party for that particular encounter. But God did. God did because God's okay with discomfort. God's okay with awkward conversations because sometimes doing the right thing is awkward and uncomfortable and we should just get over that. Because every encounter, every conversation is another opportunity to choose kindness over condemnation and to let our love overcome our anger because friends, we are each other's keepers. I am my brother's keeper and my mother's keeper 
and my father's keeper because someone has to tell him to stop climbing the ladders. I am my cousin's keeper, the wild one, because someone's got to keep her under control. I am my uncle's keeper. I am my aunt's keeper. I'm even my grandmother's keeper. She's no longer alive, but I keep her with me still. We are each other's keepers. That's what our New Testament reading says. The letter of 1 John says that if we are serious about following Jesus, then we are to love one another in the imitation of Christ, who gave everything, even laying his life down out of love. We are each other's keepers, not just for our families, but here too in this church, in this family of faith. When one of us suffers, we are to gather around and give them comfort. When one of us strays, we are to go out and bring them back into the fold. When one of us has a need, we are called to help that need. We can be each other's keepers, even when we don't like one another. Did you know that? We can love one another even when we don't like one another. We can show up for one another even when we don't feel like it. Because love isn't the words that we say, it's the deeds that we do. So we are each other's keepers. Not just in our families, not just here at the church, but in our neighborhoods and in our communities, in our state, in our country, in our country. See, it's impossible for me to read Obadiah's prophecy to the nation of Edom and not wonder what it might mean for our nation as well. Because like Edom, we have a lot of resources in America. Natural fortifications, immense wealth, so much wisdom. The most excellent centers of learning in the world are here. And military power. How great a responsibility then that we have for our neighbors, for our brothers and sisters who cry out for help. And who are our neighbors? Who are our brothers? I suspect that Jesus would push the boundaries of those categories a lot wider than we might like. We are each other's keepers. And it's a huge responsibility. Cain didn't want it. Edom didn't want it. Let's not be like them. Let's not be like them. Instead, let us take up the responsibility, let us take up the call that with every day that passes, we commit to do better, to be better. May we hear the cry of our brother and answer it. May we see the need of our sister and fill it. May we commit to love one another as Christ has loved us. And above all, may we draw closer every day to our Lord Jesus Christ, who keeps us all in his perfect love. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia. Or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.